hey, the ACC Coastal Division looks wide open. So what do the Miami Hurricanes have to do to get their first conference win on Saturday? Let's get those keys to the game. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, Miami Hurricanes Radio Network postgame host and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. So Miami and North Carolina Hurricanes are favored in this game and the Coastal, we're barely into the season and the Coastal Division already looks drunk. Like the Coastal is wide open. In fact, the winner of this game between Miami and Carolina probably going to feel like they're in the driver's seat for the Coastal Division. So let's break down our keys to the game. Want to bring on a special guest. Uh, this is a former Hurricanes pregame co-host of mine. He still does the pregame to this day. I do the postgame now. Former Miami Hurricanes punter Brian Monroe is with us. Brian, how you doing, sir? Doing good, man. You left me. So you wanted to go to postgame. You wanted to hang out with me no more and do the show. I get it. It's all good, though. I understand. I wanted to do postgame because somebody needs to be able to talk people off ledges after tough losses. You're right. You're right. I'm, I, and I'm not good at that either because I'm jumping with them in some of these games. So you're right. I should say to the, the pregame. <laughs> yeah, the, the postgame after Middle Tennessee, it wasn't fun. I'm just going to oh, say that. Oh, man. I, I could imagine. I mean, that had to be a bloodbath there. <laughs> and so, you know, for Miami to win this game against a North Carolina team that's 4-1, and one, uh, they just got their first conference victory last week. Miami hasn't played a conference game yet, but North yeah. Carolina looked really good, and they actually looked good on both sides of the ball against Virginia Tech, which was a little surprising because UNC's defense has looked pretty bad overall this year. Kind of makes us wonder, was that more about – Virginia Tech's offense not being good, which they're not, or was it more about, you know, North Carolina's defense being better? Uh, but, you know, Brian, for Miami to win this game, as we look at our keys, they've obviously got to do a lot of things differently than they did against Middle Tennessee, because if that version of Miami shows up, they're going to get destroyed, okay? And I don't believe they're going to get destroyed, but to me, it's got to start up front, right? Miami's identity on offense is physical offensive line, running the football. We got the awesome news midweek that Parrish and Knighton are both okay to play. So, you know, we're going to have at least our top three guys intact with Parrish, Knighton, and Thad Franklin. Do you think Miami's going to be able to establish a running game uh, here? Because to me, that's critical. Well, I think we can all agree that the offensive line has taken the step forward with the running game, right? Because we've never really had a consistent running game where Henry Parrish is graded out as one of the best running backs in college football right now. Um, I do think they're going to be able to run the ball because UNC's run defense is pretty bad. Um, my biggest thing with the offensive line is communication. You know, well, the one thing that we've seen with teams that have been able to get after Tyler, they blitzed and we've broken down with communication when it comes to being offensive linemen and up front. Um, I hope during the bye week, you know, they that's all they practice on is being one, being one unit and being able to communicate and pass guys off, you know, when they're stunting and they're doing all different types of things up front. If they can get the communication thing down and picking up blitzes, you know, will give us a lot more time to 
find receivers. Will we find them? That's another question to ask that later on in the show. Um, but I do think they'll be able to establish a run. I think Rooster and uh, uh, Parrish have done a great job as a one-two combo. Um, love Henry. I think he can do – he could be all everything running back. He's got great vision. He catches the ball to the backfield, inside, outside. outside. Uh, but they will be able to run the ball. And one of the reasons why we keep bringing Brian Monroe back is because he's right about a lot of stuff. Because I remember you were really the first person going back to spring football who really caped up for Henry Parrish, right? Where a lot of fans yeah. were like, oh, you know, it's nice to have this guy here. But most fans were like, no, it's Knighton's going to be the top guy. But Henry Parrish has been one of the most productive backs in the country so far this year. Yeah, and, I, and, you know, you just look at the young man and what he was able to do when he was at Columbus High School, when he went with Ole Miss, and just watching his game. is That's that's your modern-day running back, right? Catch the ball at the backfield, uh, three down back, inside, outside, great vision. Honestly, though, I would like for Coach Gaddis sometimes to switch up which one he uses in which situations, right? Like, yeah. I love Paris, obviously. But I think, you know, Rooster out the backfield, getting him in space, He's more explosive than Paris, so to have him with one-on-one ability, we saw what he did with UNC last year, breaking the guy's ankle in space, and he's he's the home run guy. So sometimes I wish that they would switch that part up, but as far as your RB1, I just thought from our roster ability, he would be RB1 in springtime, and you know, right now he's proven me right, so I got something right about this team finally. Yeah, so to me, the the top key is you've got to be physical. You've got to run the ball. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, who handed North Carolina their only L so far this year, had tremendous success, 287 team rushing yards. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that that's a high benchmark to set. Uh, I don't necessarily know if Miami's going to have that exact number of yards. Maybe they'll have more. Maybe they'll have less. But I do think Miami has the personnel if the offensive line actually gets off the bus this week because they never really showed up against Middle Tennessee, that the Canes are capable of doing that. Uh, and then the second key for me, Brian, is and for any of this to work, right, if, if you're going to try to set the tone with your running game, You've got to have a good start here, right? Because if you're falling behind 14-0 early, which can happen, like if, if North Carolina gets the first possession with their high-powered offense, let's say they score a touchdown, then Miami goes three and out, then UNC scores again, within five minutes you might be chasing the game, which we obviously don't want because then if you're trying to establish a running game and take time off the clock, you don't want to do that when you're down by a couple of scores. So uh, we've got to be able to find some sex success fast here and a lot of that is going to fall, like you said, it's not just on the running game. It's on Tyler Van Dyke and the passing game as well. I don't know where his confidence is at right now. Yeah, getting a good start is key because when you look at this team, they're going to score. UNC yeah. is going to score. That's just one thing Canes fans should be ready for on Saturday. They're going to score because, you know, Drake May is one of the best quarterbacks right now in college football as far as statistics and, you know, doing his executing his offense. About 19 touchdowns, one interception, um, and he can run. That's going to be one of my keys on defense. Um, but starting fast is key because it works into one of the things we already mentioned as running the ball. And another one of my keys is controlling the clock on offense and yeah. keeping their offense off the field. So starting the, the game fast. And I don't even mean we have to get a touchdown. All I need is control the ball, have a sustained drive, and at least get points. If you can get a field goal at least on that first drive, and just give your guys some confidence, that would be so much more key going into the rest of the game. It'll give confidence to the defense when they come out next and say, okay, our boys can at least get down the field, control the clock, let's go get them the football back again. Yeah, and and let's talk a little bit about Drake May and what makes him so dangerous. Um, 
obviously this is a guy who basically wakes up in the morning. He's already got 300 yards passing. Like it's like, it's like guaranteed, like he's going to have 300 plus in this game. It's like not about stopping him. It's about containing him. You know, everyone of course is looking at the defensive secondary. I'd like to see Miami play more zone, drop more guys back into coverage, but then really you're going to have to put consistent pressure on him with a four man front. Like you're going to have to get, creative you're gonna to have to be on their game and I had a great conversation with uh, uh sports handicapper Lee Sterling who hosts locked on bets yesterday because he he studied North Carolina's film because it's okay. his job to do that and you know what he found from the Notre Dame game specifically was their best tactic uh to get success pressuring May was you know doing a lot of twisting and their most successful rushes he said were when they slanted their defensive tackles out and their defensive ends looped inside it confused may he said uh and also when he runs he likes to go between the guard and the tackle to run the ball when he has a gap so you can take those gaps away so obviously i'm sure for as hard as lee sterling studied the tape i'm sure kevin Steele has studied it even harder because you know we we can't let may be superman brian and that was one of my, you know, keys for the defense as well as be disciplined, right? Because we know if that if you don't get pressure on this quarterback, that he's going to be able to pick you apart. But if you do get pressure, be disciplined in your lane assignments because it's all all it takes is one guy to be like, all right, I'm going to swim this way instead of staying outside. And then May breaks it and gets a first down. So you have to be disciplined on defense. And like you mentioned, Get pressure. You have to get him uncomfortable. If he's able to get comfortable and in a rhythm in this offense, it could be what we saw a couple of years ago down here with UNC. And then that wasn't a fun game when they put up 60 on us that day. I sure wasn't. So we got a lot more to talk about here with Brian Monroe, former Miami Hurricane. Um, I want to read some of you guys' keys to the game because you've been tweeting us at Locked on Canes and I need Brian's take on the quarterback situation, right? Because, you know, during the bye week, fans and media had created a quarterback controversy between Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. Then on Monday, Mario Cristobal nipped that in the bud pretty quickly. It's Tyler Van Dyke's team. But we have to talk about why TVD has struggled. And I've got to ask Brian if they made the right choice sticking with Tyler Van Dyke. Guys, This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It is the easiest place to spice up college football season. Guys, it's so easy to get started. You sign up at underdogfantasy.com or on the Underdog mobile app, which is what I use. It's extremely easy right there on your iPhone or your Android. Uh, So, guys, I'm going to identify the players that I am choosing in my Pick'em game. You look at different Pick'em choices. This is so much fun. So I'm looking at a couple of college games on Saturday. You select a player and pick if they're going to go higher or lower certain stat projections. So the two that I'm looking at for my selection this week, you can pick two to five players for this and win big money, guys. I am going to take Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett lower than 277 and a half passing yards against Auburn. Auburn just doesn't give up much through the air, guys. Obviously, Georgia's the much better team. They should win this game, but I think Bennett's going to be more in the 200 to 240 range in passing yards. And I'm actually going to take, man, my audience is going to hate me for this, but I'm going to take Gators quarterback Anthony Richardson higher than 200.5 passing yards against Mizzou. He's been trending better the last couple games, so I think that's a pretty low number. He's had his first three games were all below 200 yards passing, trending better in the last couple, had over 300 against Tennessee. Uh, I think he's going to go over 200.5 passing yards or higher, as we say, than 200.5 passing yards. So, guys, 
Go to underdog, make your own picks just like I did. You don't have to use mine. You can. Uh, it's easy to play. No problem. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states, including Florida. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just your team, and decide if they're going to finish higher or lower. It's one of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. So sign up with our promo code. We've got a hookup. Locked on. All one word. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So deposit 100 bucks, get 100 extra bucks free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the mobile app. Uh, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on, all one word. Get in on the college football pick em action today. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listener to your first watch today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So I threw it out there to the people uh keys to the game from miami against north carolina and gosh we need this win so badly because the confidence in the fan base <laughs> brian i've had people telling me we're not going to win another game all year like if you lose <laughs> to middle tennessee how are you going to beat anybody on your schedule it's like well I, I hope they don't play that badly every game uh our guy cuddy e-bag says pressure by the front four tackling has got to be crisp and time of possession he hits on a lot of ours brian yep, uh how, how about how about this guy? CIA says winning is the main key. That's why he's the CIA. <laughs> I hadn't considered that one. Uh, Mark says run the ball, eat up clock to keep UNC's offense off the field. And then frustration will set in. He says uh, discipline pressure on May and don't get beat deep. He says, let's talk about that a little bit, Brian, because the elephant in the room, the last time the hurricanes took the field and it was against an air raid offense, somewhat similar offense, but not as good players as we're about to face. Miami gets burned four times over 65 yards down the field. What happened there? Oh, it's just, you know, your technique, you're not trusting your technique. And I mean, listen, it, they weren't doing anything exotic. They weren't doing anything sexy. It literally was just, I'm going to beat you one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Number three literally just looked at, DJ Ivy and said, you can't stick with me speed-wise. That's really all it is. I guarantee you we went to his coach and goes, he can't stay with me. Just throw it up. And he <laughs> bombed us up a couple times. Yeah. Um, I get it. I know Coach Steele's got his defense. He likes to run and leave some of his guys on islands. And, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, zero coverage. Problem is, sometimes you need to give that safety help because we ain't got it like that right now, talent-wise, on the outside. We just don't, unfortunately. You know, and, and I think it gave so much of us hope after the Texas A&M game where DJ Ivy had, I mean, probably the best game of his career, maybe in high school and Pop Warner as well. And you're like, okay, we're taking the next step in the back end. You know, the technique is coming and it's helping. And Coach Adai is helping these guys take that next step moving forward. And then all of a sudden, Middle Tennessee comes in and just like, whoa, who's this team? This isn't a team that played against Texas A&M. And then – come to realize, well, their quarterback really couldn't throw the ball at Texas A&M, and this guy actually is chucking the ball all around. So for me, if you got to help him out with safety help and drop someone else back, do it. Because we just don't have the guys, unfortunately, yet that you can say, I'm going to stick you in an island and you're going to win 50-50. You're not. You're just not. We're not. We don't have those guys right now to be one-on-one -on -one guys and say, don't throw the ball at me. I got you. It's just not there yet. Yeah, and I think I think Coach Steele basically admitted that, um, you know, telling us that it's his job to put players in positions they can handle, right? I mean, 
I mean, I, I, and I get it, and that's 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 a great coach to you know take the blame for his players, yeah. the whole nine yeah. yards. But then you also said Cam Kitchens came out and said, "Hey, we didn't execute, and we have yeah. to execute," and that's true. I don't care with you know, I and I and I see it all the time with social media fans ripping this coach and ripping that coach, and I go, "Okay, listen, if we go back and watch every single play, you need to know what's called to know exactly what's happening." Which yeah. we don't we don't know because we're all sitting at home watching the game. We don't hear exactly what's called, what the blitz is, what's their assignment. So we don't know that first. Second of all, if you do know all that, so then you know that this left guard missed his block. This wide receiver didn't hold his block. All right. So that means Tyler Van Dyke could actually walk in against Texas AM. Two, well, we didn't execute this play on the, the third and crossing when Michael Redding um, um, was wide open and uh, Tyler Van Dyke missed that. That's a that's a great play call then, right? On on yeah. Gaddis. So you didn't execute. Let's flip it on defense. When then A chain against Texas AM, when they scored on the outside, it looked like LT swam into the wrong gap. He was supposed to stay on the uh, I believe he was supposed to stay on the inside. He would swam on the outside. It was wide open. A chain didn't get touched. Is that a bad call by Coach Steele or is that an execution? Do your job on defense. That's like the biggest frustration, I think, when it comes to fans and players, is when you say, I know you want to blame the coach, but the coach's job is to get you ready for the game. And if I put everything together and get you ready for the game and you don't communicate or you don't execute and you don't stay with your discipline, fundamentals that you did, you did the whole week. When we did it on film, you walked it, you did a good job. And then when you get in the game, you did your own thing. That's not on a coach. That's on a player. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty of blame to go around on these, on these coaches too as well. We'll talk about red zone and everything else with Coach Gaddis. But there's a lot with this team. And you simply just say, that's on him. That's on this number. I can pick it out and say, that's not what's called. That's not how you execute that defense or that offense or catch the ball. What's the most basic thing to do on offense? Throwing, catching the ball. We haven't even done that, like basic stuff. So that's not a coach's call. That's a, well, Tyler, you missed the, re, you know, the, the call, the, the hit. Well, um, uh, Brashard Smith, you just dropped the ball. Like that's an execution thing. That's not a coaching thing. Let's talk about Tyler Van Dyke then, um, who is the starting quarterback again. Um, and I do think it was the right call to give him at least one more opportunity. Uh, so w what's been your take on Tyler's struggles? Like how much of that is on him and how much of that is on coaching? I mean, I think it's a combination, honestly, with, with Tyler, because Tyler doesn't look comfortable. First of all, he doesn't look the same as he did in that that span that he did last year where everyone's like, oh, this is the first round quarterback, 300 yards every single week. Well, what people don't realize is that he was in that offense for two years. He got to sit one year as a real, uh, uh, freshman, learn it, and then he became the quarterback after Derrick King went down. But also, if we remember the first two games that he played, he struggled. You know, yeah. he had to get comfortable in that offense and understand it. And then he got on a roll. Well, two big things that we're missing from last year is uh, Charleston Rambo and Mike Harley, guys that you know, you could say, well, I'll say more Rambo that you could say it's a 50-50 ball. I'm just going to throw it up. And I trust that he's going to come down with that. Right now, name me a receiver that you trust that you could throw it up and 50-50 he's going to come down with it on this roster right now. Yeah, we only have some maybes. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel a lot more comfortable with Keyshawn Smith. And maybe for the 50-50s, Frank Ladson should be the guy. We saw a little bit of that last time out. But I can't say I have full confidence. I need to see a lot more. So imagine what a quarterback feels like if he doesn't have full confidence as well. Then also, you have a new, completely new offense, completely new verbiage. So our quarterback has to get comfortable with that. Is this the right offense for him? Is he should be a more spread guy and stay in the shotgun? 
He looks more comfortable in the shotgun in the shotgun in the spread. He doesn't look as comfortable being under center and not seeing what the defense is doing, not seeing where the linebackers are dropping. Maybe they're changing coverages, you know, and now we will we will see right now because we heard what Tyler said. I met with Ponce and I met with Gaddis at the same time this week. And we went through things that I can I like to do and things I don't like to do. So this should be the most comfortable that we see Tyler this week against UNC. If he's not comfortable and he's not looking the same, you got to go with Garcia the rest of the way. Because then it just means that there's something either mentally wrong with you, you can't get out of a funk, or you're just regressed since last year. By the way, you brought up the point about how now he's he started meeting together with the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinator. Uh, fans reacted to that a lot of different ways. They were wondering, like, wait, well, why wasn't this already being done? Like, is that a common thing, Brian? Because you've been through these meetings and stuff. Like, is the idea of the quarterback meeting with the QB coach and the OC at the same time, is that unusual? Um, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's unusual, but you have your, your ways of meetings, right? So you got team meetings. You got offensive meetings, uh, and then you got your individual meetings, right? So we know that Coach Gaddis is also our wide receivers coach, mm. right? So he's got also another assignment. So maybe if he wasn't a wide receivers coach and he was just the OC, he would be in the quarterback's room with Ponce as they're breaking down film and doing game playing the whole nine yards. But, you know, what happens is you got your offensive coordinator, he meets with your head coach, he meets with his offensive staff, they put their game plan together. And then what does Coach Gaddis trust for his coaches? All right, go instill this into the offense, and we'll all meet together. So that's how it naturally just works. You have your assignment. You have your room. Go teach them. Let's go execute. Let's go together. And then we break everything down. So it's not that it's odd that they didn't meet one-on-one -on -one extra time, because I'm guessing this is the extra time on mm. the side. I'm yeah. sure they, they're, of course, in the team meeting rooms, the offensive meeting rooms together, but I'm guessing this is the extra time where – Let's say Tyler is in his uh, quarterback's room with Ponce and maybe Garcia and the guys leave and he stays afterwards and watches extra film. Maybe that's where Gaddis is now coming in with them when before it would just be your quarterback's coach and him. It's not that's not that's not odd. Yeah, I got you. Uh, we're going to put a ball on this on the other side because I got to pressure Brian for a prediction for this game. I, I have to. And oh, man, got a couple where's, of interesting. Where's my eight ball? <laughs> And I, I hope your eight ball is better than mine. Uh, although, listen, I, I did. And, and it's, man, if I pick Miami to win and they lose, people get angry. If I pick Miami to lose and they lose, people blame me for the loss. So <laughs> I, I don't you're, know. I, you're I, in a lose-lose situation. I'm in a lose-lose situation. But keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. All right. Before we get our official predictions, as I'm joined here by former Miami Hurricane Brian Monroe, um, as far as Tyler Van Dyke goes this week, you know, I mentioned North Carolina's rushing defense is bad. Their passing defense also bad. Do you think this is going to be a get right game for Tyler in the passing game? Well, what was middle Tennessee's defense bad, yeah. right? They, they were, they were bad. They were ripping yeah. the nineties and pretty much everything. Yeah. So yeah. it's not, and these are going to be better athletes, yeah. right? And, and they've had our number for how many years yeah, as North Carolina whooped us. So, yeah. um, is this a get-right game? I don't know. I said the same thing about Middle Tennessee State. This is a bounce-back game for this team. This is where you get your confidence. So, for me, we have been horrible in our last coaching regime coming off of a bye week. We didn't win anything. Yeah. Can this coaching staff instill some confidence in the bye week? Crystal Ball's 5-0 coming off byes at Oregon. 
Yeah, he also didn't lose to a group of five in Oregon as well. Uh, we, we busted. Yeah, uh, oh. we, we, bu- we busted that one too. Mythbusters gone. Um, yeah. But if you look at coming off a of bye week with with the coaches you have and Coach Steele and, and and all the football they've seen, and Coach Cristobal, and can they get this confidence around just so we can see guys flying around? Because it just looked like they didn't care two weeks ago against Middle Tennessee State, and I think that's been a problem for the last 10, 15 years where. It doesn't look like guys are flying around. Guys just aren't catching the ball. Um, is this a bounce-back game? Absolutely, because this is your first game in the ACC. When you look at your what are our goals at the beginning of the year, well, obviously every coach goes win game number one. All right, cool. That's that's goal number one. Goal number two, win the Coastal. Mm. Goal number three, win the ACC. And goal number four, get to the national championship. Well, guess what? It's crazy to say you still got all your goals in front of you. This is the first ACC game. You win this, you get your confidence, you fix all your mistakes, and you ride. You start going through your ACC schedule and saying, fellas, we still have this. We can be in Charlotte in December. Will they? I have no idea. The guys that I saw last week, absolutely not. But can they? Yes, you should be pissed off. You should read all the hate and tell me how much you guys suck. You should read all that and bottle up and shut the fans up because right now you're proving their point right. You're proving their point right. The national media, we're the biggest frauds. Absolutely. We are the absolute biggest fraud. So what are you going to do about it? What's your prediction? Because I'm going, I'm going, I, I think, I think Miami's going to win by about a field goal. I'm, I'm, I'm picking Miami to win. A, a Let me ask you a question. Did, did you, did you ask Lee Sterling? How was Miami a, a favorite in this game? Because I did. I'm, I literally, I'm not no, I literally no. I literally did an episode about that. I literally did an episode about that. So I mean, for one thing, Miami, it, it they're kind of like teams like Notre Dame, the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like people just like to bet on them. They see Miami, they like. So that that's part of the reason why it opened up with Miami an even bigger favorite than they are now. Uh, but he also Lee Lee did pick Miami to win the game. Uh, he told me okay. this is. This is not a game. He said he's not he's not selling this one to his clients. Like this is because he only gives away the strong play. He yeah, yeah, for a, sure. He doesn't have a strong play on this one, but he does think Miami can win. He does think being at home is going to be a factor because apparently Mac Brown's North Carolina have been one of the worst road underdogs the past few years since he's been coaching there. So they've done a bad job covering spreads on the road. So if you go into those historical trends, but yeah, he does think Miami can can exploit North Carolina's rushing defense especially, and he thinks Miami has um, enough bodies to rotate on the defensive line that they can put some constant pressure on May. So he he, he did say that uh, he explained why Miami is favored. He, he thinks it's probably the, the line right now, which is Miami minus three. He thinks that looks about right. If it was Miami f- minus four and a half, minus five, that was too much. He thinks the line's pretty good the way it is right now. All right. Well, I'll say this then. Uh, and I'm going to be – I'm normally objective and real about it. I think that since Tyler Van Dyke and Gaddis and Ponce met, and they're going to do something comfortable. I think this is the game we finally see t- Tyler beat Tyler. And I'm going to okay. go back to last year to an NC State game, and I feel like we're going to have a game something like that, 33-30 Canes. I'm, I'm pretty similar on that with you. I'm pretty similar on that. Um, okay, so last thing before we go, a couple quick recruiting notes for the folks out there. Ruben Bain, Hurricane Bain, 
He's going to be visiting this weekend. Uh, you know, one of the most, I, I would say Ruben Bain, maybe number one and Samson Okunlola number two is like my highest priorities of players. Miami needs to land before this cycle is over. Uh, the standout edge rusher from Miami central is going to be visiting. So please don't embarrass us in front of Ruben Bain. Uh, and Miami has made an offer. They're making a lot of offers to wide receivers now since they've missed on a couple targets, but four star, Tayshawn Lyons from California. Uh, he's 6'2", 165, four-star guy. Now, he's considered a strong Notre Dame lean, but he did say getting an offer from Miami is a dream offer, and they're looking to get him in for a visit in November or December, according to Matt Shodell of On3 Sports. So Miami may be able to make some late traction with this guy because he seems to have his eye on the U, so to speak. I, I, listen, my thing with receivers. I don't yeah. care what kind of star you are. I don't care if you're a zero star. Is there a dog in Miami right now that just says, give me the damn ball. Just yeah, throw it up. That. I'm going to get it. Like, I, we don't – just give me the ball. You know me, like, you know, everyone always, you know, likes to use this whole myth of the legend. Oh, Ed Reed was a two-star. Reggie Wayne was a three-star. Blah, 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 blah. I say, yeah, but their work ethic, the dog in them made them completely different. You can't use a person that is all pro – one of the best to ever come through here and say, oh, he's a two-star, he's a not a two-star. No one's got their work ethic and their heart to be great like those type yeah. of guys. They used to work out before we were freshmen with Swayze at 5 o'clock on 4.30 on their offseason in the NFL. And I didn't realize that he needed to get up that early and work out until I got to the NFL and friends were in the NFL. That's different mentality. If you can find that two-star kid, at, I don't know, Southridge, Palmetto, the West, Central – I don't care if you're a five-star or four-star. Who's got that dog that just says, throw me the ball? Who's going to cuss out their quarterback? Who's got it? We got any of those guys out there? That's all I care about. Uh, that's what we need. Make sure you follow this man on Twitter at B underscore Monroe 15. Check him out on the uh, Hurricanes Network pregame shows. Uh, he and Danny Rabinowitz, both very good friends of mine, doing an awesome job prepping you for those games. And all Canes Radio as well. Let people know where they can find any, any of the other stuff I haven't mentioned. Uh, yeah, so we got the All Canes Radio podcast that we do. Um, you can find that on all, all platforms, All Canes Radio podcast. And that's just all former players come on. We had Earl Little on this past week. And, I mean, literally the show was two hours long just because he's got such a great perspective on college football, high school football. You know, he had a son go through recruiting. Obviously, we talked about that. His Twitter wars with fans going back and forth. So that was a fun interview. And then also I joined the boys over at uh, Out the Huddle um, with Brett Romberg and DJ Williams. You can find the videos that we've done so far on Dime Life YouTube page. Um, that's going to be Miami Hurricanes. That's going to be Miami Pop Culture. Um, we have a lot of fun with that so far. And we'll have some guests moving forward as well. He is everywhere. Guys, thank you so much for supporting our work. Make sure you support Brian's work and support Locked on ACC, Candace Cooper, and the local experts. I'm one of them. I join her every Thursday. Take you around the conference in under 30 minutes. Uh, make Locked on ACC your second listen. Thank you for making us your first. We're going to talk to you again before Miami hosting UNC Saturday, 4 p.m. Make sure you check us out here on Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.